the whole scenario now, it's just, it's just sickening. Tonight, police confirm two more family members are charged in the killing of Kieran Desi. Plus, the tire came crashing down onto the windshield. Another love nut nightmare, how a flying tire nearly caused a catastrophe. And drop the bucket. Celebrating an end, a notorious Surrey strip club goes out with a bang. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. For joining us, we begin with breaking news. A rock climber has died in Squamish. Police say a man fell from the Stormis Chief just after 1.30 this afternoon. First responders were called to the Grand Wall area of the Chief and found the man in his 30s had fallen about 30 metres during a climb. Now names have been released. More family, more members of one family now stand accused in the shocking murder of Kieran Desi, whose body was found in a burned-out SUV in Surrey nearly two years ago. First, her ex-boyfriend, Harjot Dio, was charged with second-degree murder. Then charges against his mother and sister were laid. Then just today, RCMP confirmed his brother and another relative have now also been arrested. And as Julia Foy reports, police say there could be more arrests. Surrey resident Amanda Fardella can't believe that two more members of the Dio family, who used to live across the street, are now charged in connection to the death of 19-year-old Bav Kieran Desi. Shocked. It's crazy. I can't believe how many family members are, are in, now involved. Desi's body was found in a burning vehicle in South Surrey in August of 2017. Her ex-boyfriend, Harjot Dio, was charged in May with second-degree murder. A week later, his mother and sister were charged with indecently interfering with or offering an indignity to human remains. Now, the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team has two more family members in custody. 25-year-old Gurvinder Dio and 22-year-old Talwinder Kunkun were arrested by IHID investigators and charged by the BC Prosecution Service for accessory after the fact to murder and indignity to human remains. Lee confirmed that Gervinder is Harjot Dio's older brother and Talwinder Kunkun is a family member. The police, of course, have been systematic in, in uh, picking up members of the, of the family and charging them. And it's often the case that when that happens, the divisions start to appear and cracks appear in the cone of silence. The Dio's quietly sold their family home in April, telling the new owners they had bought a farm and needed to build a bigger house. Neighbours are relieved they moved. I'm glad they're gone. Bring peace to the, to the neighbourhood. So we don't have to sit there and wonder. IHIT says the investigation isn't over yet, and they want to hear from anyone who has more information about the murder. For now, five members of the Dio family will remain behind bars. Julia Foy, Global News. Just days after Burnaby RCMP warned the public over reports of wheel lug nuts being tampered with, a Langley family is sharing their harrowing ordeal. As Kristen Robinson reports, they were driving on the highway east of Vancouver when they were hit by a flying tire. It was just like uh, unreal. Everything happened so fast. Danny Kella and his wife were en route to take his mother to Andrea Bocelli for her birthday. When they reached the highway, the trio hit with some unexpected pre-show fireworks. We, we hear noise coming from the eastbound lane. We look to the, to the left and then we see this 
big flying object coming towards us. So I grabbed my mother's head and I just braced her for her face and the tire came crashing down onto the windshield. This is what it looks like when a loose wheel strikes. Kala's mother taking the brunt of the impact. It sounded like an explosion inside the vehicle. Um, the windshield just shattered all over my mother and I and my wife in the back seat. I just uh, thought, okay, we're, I, are we going to make it or not? I was shocked. I was in shock. Burnaby RCMP recently warned about the possibility that someone is purposely loosening wheels from vehicles. In two cases this month, one cube van lost a wheel, another driver discovered his lug nuts were loosened. Totally unexpected, and then not knowing if you're going to get hit from behind either. Very scary, because you think it's just random. In a freak accident last month, a new Westminster man's tire flew off into oncoming traffic after a visit to a tire shop. Fortunately, no one was hurt. I'm still shaky because it's, uh, it's, when I think about it, I get shaky. The Callas escaped injury and managed to pull over safely. Their shattered Honda Civic still in the shop. But they did make the big show. You got to keep your eyes open and anything can happen at any time. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A late-night traffic stop in Surrey ended with a suspect taking off in a police vehicle. Just after 11.30 last night, officers spotted someone driving erratically near the 13600 block of 100th Avenue. When they tried to stop the driver, he drove into an underground parkade where it was contained. Now, its two occupants initially complied with police, but later fled on foot with the officer chasing the driver. The passenger allegedly got into the police cruiser and crashed through a gate to flee the area. The stolen cruiser was found abandoned nearby in the 9800 block of Wally Boulevard. One suspect was arrested and held on an outstanding warrant. A second suspect is still at large. And it was the craziest thing. They just busted right down, taking down the whole fence. And then you hear the cop kind of like shout, hey, the fence closed down. And then about a few seconds after that, you just see this cop with its lights. And it was just the cop car, but the cop was not in the car. It was the other people, I'm assuming, who were originally in the gray vehicle were actually in the cop car. They drove off. The cop chased after his own car. I just saw cop cars chasing chasing yeah just chasing on the street basically they're they're chasing on King George Boulevard southbound a man will be sentenced this summer for his role in the deadly hit and run of a homeless man in Surrey four years ago. 35-year-old Sukdeep Singh was charged with dangerous driving causing death and failing to remain at the scene of an accident nearly three years after the fatal March 2015 collision. Surveillance video shows a homeless man slowly pushing a shopping cart along the shoulder of Bridgeview Drive in the middle of the night before a semi-trailer hits him from behind. And the victim died in hospital. A suspect was identified days later. Last month, Singh pleaded guilty to dangerous driving causing death. He'll be sentenced in August. On Vancouver Island, West Shore RCMP are looking for this man. Richard Tom is wanted for four counts of sexual interference, three counts of sexual assault, and one count of invitation to sexual touching. The 32-year-old is five foot four with a medium-billed black hair and brown eyes. If you see him, do not approach him, but call West Shore RCMP or Crime Stoppers. 
A Canadian man fatally stabbed in Chile was a retired UBC professor. Peter Winterburn was a geochemist with the university's Department of Earth, Ocean and Atmospheric Sciences. Chilean police say while he was with his daughter and wife, he was stabbed by thieves trying to steal his camera. It happened in a port city about 100 kilometers from the capital, Santiago, where the family now lives. Investigators are still searching for the two suspects. Two months after a new federal rebate sparked a boom in electric vehicle sales, the province is reducing its EV subsidy. Electric vehicle sales have been unprecedented since the federal government implemented a $5,000 rebate on cars under $45,000 last month, on top of a $5,000 BC incentive. Effective today, electric cars costing more than $55,000 are no longer eligible for the provincial rebate. Battery, fuel cell and longer range plug-in electric vehicles will get a reduced rebate of $3,000. Shorter range plug-in hybrids will get $1,500 in cash back. The province says the changes are to meet ongoing demand. Hundreds marched through the streets of Victoria today protesting the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project. First Nations drummers led the way, leaving City Hall this morning and walking through downtown streets all the way to Island View Beach in Saanich. A small house was towed behind the marchers, which was temporarily erected at the beach to house future pipeline protesters. On Tuesday, the federal government reapproved the twinning of the pipeline from north of Edmonton to Burnaby. Many countries uh, are starting to look at the idea of declaring climate emergency, which the UK Parliament did, Canada just declared it. And then a day later on Tuesday, Justin Trudeau tells us that he's, he's okayed his own pipeline and that he's gonna take the money from that pipeline in after, after you tap that and destroy our climate in the future, the children, he's gonna take that and invest it in green energy. It's total insanity. Outrage in Penticton has led to action. A child was pricked by a syringe at a local park, so a small group of residents decided to take matters into their own hands. Kelly Hayes reports. Here just to do a kind of needle sweep. Up until today, most of these Penticton residents had never met each other, but they've been brought together because of this video. Let's check this out. That's what my kids were playing with. A Penticton woman filmed this after her niece was poked by a discarded needle in Skaha Park. It hit a chord with several parents. Uh, I'm here uh, in regards to the girl that stepped on the uh, used needle on uh, Tuesday. That was the catalyst and pretty much the final straw for me. I got little kids and I'm not interested in get them getting stabbed by a little needle or whatever. So we got to clean it up. This was about feet from my house down on Van Horn Street here in Penticton. That, as you can see, is a needle with a broken needle on it, and there's still drugs and blood. And that was oh, probably about 100 feet from my home. Organizer Jennifer Young says the video and what she has learned about how many discarded needles are actually found in Penticton has been an eye-opener. I learned uh, from talking to the City Hall bylaw uh, office that there is between 100 and 500 needles found per day. The search for needles leads to this children's park where Gina Sylvester says she once found three of them inside the play equipment. But I walked by and I saw those three needles that were sitting on the bottom, like on the bottom and right inside there. Of this, this yeah. tunnel yeah. where kids go all the time. Yeah. yeah. 
This man, who was sleeping in the playground, says he sees discarded needles all over town. It's all over the place. Organizers say today's inaugural sweep found more than two dozen needles, one of them on the beach. And there are already plans for more sweeps. We're going to be, we're banking on like a, like a weekly or bi-weekly sweep of somewhere um, of high interest. Kelly Hayes, Global News, Penticton. Charges have been laid in an alleged drug house explosion on Vancouver Island four years ago. Neighbors say this duplex on First Street in Courtney burst into flames following an explosion in, the May of, in May of 2015. Three men seen running from the engulfed house suffered serious burns. RCMP say the blast was caused by an illegal drug lab. Police and fire investigators discovered equipment and other evidence used to make hash oil. 35-year-old Joshua David Lundrigan is charged with production of a controlled substance and two counts of possession for the purpose of trafficking. He has yet to make a court appearance. A rainbow flag is once again flying outside an Aldergrove woman's home after a third flag was stolen from her property. Lisa Ebenal says that she was devastated to see two more flags stolen from her yard. She's had a lot of support after a flag was mistakenly removed the first time by the township of Langley after her neighbor complained about it. She now has more than a few to give out to others in the community after the flag shop from Vancouver gave her more. Several people are taking Ebenal up on her offer, including some high school students. But she's still frustrated by the thefts. If they want to disagree, that's fine, but leave my flag be, you know. It's, it's not on their yard, so leave it be. I feel it's really bad that they've done this, and it's not as welcoming anymore. It makes us kind of scared to go outside now, and it won't help us any way to grow our community. And Lytton RCMP are showing their support for the LGBTQ2 plus community during Pride Month. The detachment pitched a rainbow crosswalk to the village and after council supported the idea, the crossing at 4th and Main Street was redesigned. The local school, Kumsheen Secondary, agreed to paint it. Lytton's top cop did the prep work while police helped students paint the rainbow crosswalk. Ah, the NHL draft at Rogers Arena isn't the only reason downtown Vancouver was packed today. Tens of thousands are also taking in the Concord Pacific Dragon Boat Festival in the waters of False Creek. 6,000 competitors are taking part over the course of the three-day event, which wraps up tomorrow. Well, a group of Burnaby High School students leave tomorrow for Italy, but it's no summer vacation. They're attempting to accomplish what no other Canadian team has ever even tried to do. They're contenders in the European Space Agency's CANSAT competition, trying to win with their space probe that's small enough to fit inside a can of soda. Three, two, one. I'm really confident all the hard work and all the, and all the teamwork that we went through will give great results. What's the time, guys? Yeah, so this is the inside of our probe. It has all of the components. The main feature is it has to fit inside of the volume of a standard soda can. So they're being tasked with building a probe that will get launched uh, to an altitude of one kilometer. This probe will go inside of a metal uh, sleeve to protect it during the fall, um, and a parachute will be attached. First, the parachute will allow it to land safely, and the GPS chip will give it give us its final location, allowing us to find it. The spreadsheet ready to go, Mike? And then on the way down, it has to 
record and transmit data back to us on the ground. So here's the piece of the antenna. My students are competing in the European Space Agency's CANSAT competition. We are the first Canadian team uh, taking part in this competition and we're traveling to Bologna, Italy uh, at the end of this month. There's definitely some pressure associated with talking to a bunch of people who are so who are so well-educated and knowledgeable in this field. Science is basically a process of learning and failures, right, sometimes. And I guess really doing this project really exemplifies the learning that we gain outside of school, outside of the regular classroom. Um, I think it's great that um, more and more kids, especially now, have a, a chance to go out and have a full hands-on experience instead of just um, reading things in a book or online. This opportunity is a bit bigger than graduation. All opportunities have a cost, so I was willing to take um, that as a cost and go to Europe and launch a rocket instead of going to graduation. That was a good one, that was a good time, that one. It's the end of an era in Surrey's Wally neighborhood. The Flamingo Hotel, a notorious former watering hole, is no more. As Jordan Armstrong reports, the property, which once featured a strip club, went up with a bang today, thanks to some help from Mayor Doug McCallum. Going out hot and with a bang. A symbol of old Surrey. Come on now, let's celebrate! Staged its last show on Saturday. Drop the bucket! At the excavator delivering the first blows, Mayor Doug McCallum. I have to admit I've been in for a few beers in the Flamingo Hotel, so that, that's... Uh... <laughs> Look forward to a new beginning. Condo towers will soon go up on the site at King George Boulevard and 108th Avenue. The Flamingo opened back in 1955 as a motor hotel. Over the years, it evolved, adding a liquor store, cabaret, and strip club. This part of the city, I think, uh, is hard to recognize what it used to be, and it's going to be even better. Located next to an RCMP station, Mounties were often called to the Flamingo. Yes, there were plenty of bad times, but this was a day to celebrate the good times and mark the end of a chapter in Wally's colorful history. With the, um, the Flamingo uh, Hotel being torn down, I think it's a symbol that we're moving into a new generation. The younger people are, are starting to move in, but they're also the older people who have such a pride in Wally are staying here also and, and working together. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Okay, Yvonne and Barry are here. That has to be the, the most joyous demolition I have ever seen. A party. It was a total it was a celebration. Party. Yes, yeah. it was. They were celebrating go good down. times. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you were singing it, actually. I was singing Yeah, Cool yeah. in the Gang. That's yeah. her song. Thank goodness we didn't have that recording. <laughs> um, what a love. No, it wasn't. It was sort of lovely. This is summer? The first well, full day of summer. I was actually, but it was kind of. No. I don't know. There's something nice about having a cooler day. We're easing into it. I yeah. think Mother Nature maybe just didn't get the memo quite yet. <laughs> we need to remind her sometimes. But for our first full day of summer today, a bit cool. We've seen more cloud cover. A quick glance at the satellite and radar. We're actually seeing some active weather, and that's really across the interior. We're tracking some thunderstorms that are rolling through the area. It'll be very similar for tomorrow. And we are looking at uh, more moisture that is going to push in. A system on deck across the northern and central half of the province for coastal sections. We'll start to see it across the south coast. The timing of it, we'll look at tomorrow, and then we'll look ahead towards our first full week of summer, and when we'll see some sunshine in it, too. Okay, good. That's a promise.
All 11 people on board a twin-engine plane carrying skydivers in Hawaii have died after the plane went down last night on Oahu's North Shore. The plane was engulfed by flames by the time firefighters made it to the crash site, which is about an hour's drive from Honolulu. It's one of the deadliest civilian airplane crashes in the state's history. British police were called to the London home of prime ministerial contender Boris Johnson after a neighbor reported an altercation. Have you ruined your chances of becoming Prime Minister, Mr. Johnson? Mr. Johnson, why were police outside your house last night? Police later said officers were called to the home he shares with partner Carrie Simmons by someone concerned for the welfare of a female neighbour. The Guardian newspaper reports neighbours heard screaming, shouting and banging. Officers found all occupants were safe and well and no offences had been committed. Johnson is favoured in a two-person race to become leader of the Conservative Party and Britain's next Prime Minister. The Rolling Stones are finally kicking off their no-filter tour. The opening show was in Chicago last night, the first of 17 concerts in the band's North American tour. It's also the first time 75-year-old Mick Jagger has performed publicly since undergoing heart surgery. The tour was rescheduled after Jagger's health scare. The Stones have just one stop in Canada, that's in Ontario, on June 29th. In Health Matters tonight, concern tonight about the dangers of some e-cigarettes, but this time it's not about addiction. A report in the New England Journal of Medicine describes an explosion that caused severe injury, including a broken jaw. It happens unexpectedly. A ball of fire erupting from a pocket or a hand or right next to someone's face. 17-year-old Austin Burton was using an e-cigarette that exploded so powerfully it broke his jawbone, as seen in these CT scans. His surgeon says the damage was horrific. I had never heard that a vape pen could cause this much damage to a patient. It takes quite a large force to be able to break your jaw in that manner. Austin's mother, Kehlani Burton, terrified. I thought he was going to die. He survived, but earlier this year, a Texas man died after an e-cigarette exploded in his car. Last year, a Florida man was killed from what doctors called a projectile wound to the head and burns to 80% of his body. So far, airlines have banned them. San Francisco also considering outlawing the sale of e-cigarettes. The explosions linked to lithium batteries overheating inside modified vape devices. The FDA has not issued regulations, only recommendations to manufacturers to address battery safety issues. While Austin's mom now keeps a picture of her son's injuries with her. It could happen to anybody. Hoping to warn others she sees vaping of a danger she's witnessed firsthand. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News. Authorities in the Dominican Republic say the recent deaths of 10 American tourists in the country are not a mystery. The nation's tourism minister says autopsies show at least eight died of natural causes. He added that with millions of U.S. tourists visiting each year, it's not unusual for that many people to die over any six-month period. Some of the tourists reportedly fell violently ill after drinking from their room's minibars. The mysterious cluster of deaths has raised questions about the alcohol in the country. That's now prompted one hotel in Punta Cana to remove liquor dispensers from all guest rooms. And they've also contact- contracted a U.S.-based lab to test all food and beverage products and public spaces. The FBI has sent a small team to the island to investigate. French researchers are confirming that working long hours 
may be bad for your health. And they found those who worked more than 10 hours for at least 50 days a year were more likely to have a stroke. That's compared to those who worked fewer hours. The risk of a stroke increases even more if you work those long hours for at least a decade. Scientists say the association was stronger for those who were under the age of 50. A Montana family woke up to find an unwelcomed visitor on Friday. It was a black bear that had somehow gotten into their mush their mudroom and locked himself inside. And once again, the, once inside, the bear began to rip apart the room because he couldn't get out. No kidding. It eventually climbed onto a top shelf of a closet and fell asleep. Wildlife officials removed the bear and returned it to the wild. And why being the world's ugliest comes with a nice prize. We're going to have that story for you right after we get the forecast from Yvonne. Come on, Yvonne. He's cute. Very cute. Very cute. Adorable. Beauty comes in all, what is it, shapes and sizes. Yes, it does. Including the weather we had today. Yes, uh, there were some breaks out there. It's actually looking pretty pleasant on this tower cam. This is overlooking the west. However, the North Shore Mountains, we've seen that cloud cover. And for tomorrow, we are going to still see a fair bit of cloud cover and we'll track the moisture and the system that is rolling in in just a moment. But a beautiful shot overlooking English Bay right now. 18 as their current temperature. uh, We got up to 19 today, so it is a touch cooler. The average for this time of the year sits at 21 degrees. A few other spots across the province with the soil getting up to 27. The piece the northeastern corner is up to 23. Coastal sections for Prince Rupert, 14. And Tofino today, only a high of 16 degrees. The winds did ramp up, especially if you were near the water. We did see some gusts ranging between 30 and up to 40 kilometers. That was stretching into the Fraser Valley. Currently for Abbotsford, a sustained wind at 24. Tofino at 26. It's still a bit breezy. And areas near Howe Sound sitting at 17 kilometers per hour. Now the moisture is still across the central and southern half of the province with the risk of thunderstorms, we can see that as we zoom on in. So it is still going to be quite active still over the next little while. And then we've got a bit of a break overnight leading into the morning hour across the interior. But the bulk of the moisture is going to fall for the morning and through the day along the north and central coast. And this same system is going to bring us an increase in cloud cover northern and central half of the island. We'll be looking at a chance of showers, and then by the afternoon, it'll be unsettled once again. We'll see the risk of thunderstorms and a chance for some isolated showers. An update on the fire danger rating, much of the central and southern half sitting at moderate to high, and it's for the northeastern corners tomorrow that we're seeing the risk of a thunderstorm, a cooler day with only a high of 15. Most areas near Whitehorse up to 20 degrees. We'll see the bulk of the moisture right along the north coast, a cooler day. A nice break will push in on your Monday. Caribou and central interior 18 as the high bumping up to 21 degrees so one more unsettled day columbia and kootenai will see a risk of a thunderstorm chance of a shower for tomorrow most areas near the tops and we'll see the risk of thunderstorms tomorrow most of the okanagan will actually see some nice breaks with a partly cloudy sky whistler up to 19 tomorrow a chance to see an isolated shower most areas across the island for the southern and eastern areas will be looking at some breaks in the cloud it's the northern and central half that will see that cloud cover and a chance of showers popping up. It'll be for the morning and then continuing through the afternoon. We've got cloud cover tomorrow, so be prepared, but it should be dry throughout much of the day. It'll be the afternoon and evening that we could see a few isolated showers popping up. It'll remain unsettled on our Monday, and then on Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll see some sunny breaks popping in, and temperatures will start to bump up. Tomorrow with the cloud cover, it'll be a cooler day with only a high of 17. Colleen? Okay, now for that 
cute dog that we are telling you is the ugliest dog? No, we don't agree. A California dog competition has once again proven that beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. 19 mutts wag their tails on the runway for a chance to be crowned the world's ugliest dog, but there can only be one winner, and this year, it's Scamp the Tramp. His owner takes home $1,500 in prize money, a trophy, and Scamp gets an appearance on the Today Show. Scamp is a therapy dog and volunteers at his local airport, elementary schools, libraries, and senior centers. Good for Scamp. Here in BC, we have all sorts of camping options, from roughing it in the north to high-end yurts off the west coast, but there's a unique version of the time-honored tradition in Saskatchewan. A great way to experience the outdoors prairie style. These were used for grain for decades. Retired farmer Julie Hilling is hopping on the bin wagon. This is one of the cabins. Wow. She's transformed six steel grain bins on her property north of Moose Jaw. And there's another queen bed up here. Into two-story rentable cabins. I love the skyline. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a hole there anyway. Complete with heat, air conditioning, and windows, it's all the comfort without the camping chaos. This is basically a camping facility, and uh, but for people who don't don't really want to rough it that much, <laughs> it's what many would call glamping or glamorous camping. An oxymoron turned growing business opportunity as demand for alternative accommodation skyrockets in Saskatchewan. People are coming to understand that there's lots of great things to do all around Saskatchewan. And we're seeing, uh, you know, business people, our provincial parks, our national parks, and so on, offering new types of experiences to get people back outdoors. According to a recent survey, nearly half of all Canadian campers hope to try glamping this year, which has entrepreneurs like Hilling ready to switch on that farm charm. This year is just people, I've got to come sleep in a bin. And it turns out her silos have herded a lot of attention. According to Facebook, I've got over 300,000 posts or shares. A sign that thousands of outdoor enthusiasts are ready to say, been there, done that. Kaylee Miller, Global News. Including the NBA, uh, NBA, NHL draft. Ah, they're just letters, You're right? You're just thinking of Kawhi. You're just thinking <laughs> just of Kawhi. Thinking of Kawhi. Leave Kawhi alone. Leave Kawhi alone. He wants to be quiet. Canada's the perfect spot for him. Yeah. He can be anonymous as Come he wants. Come up to Vancouver. Yeah, well, sure. Why not? We could use a, a guy like him. <laughs> Thanks, Colleen. Uh, well, there was finally a big trade at the draft today in Vancouver. P.K. Subban goes to the Devils in exchange for a couple of second-round picks and two other defensemen heading back to Nashville. Kind of a salary dump by the uh, Preds with the salary cap going down next year. But the Canucks made the second biggest move. They got 26-year-old J.T. Miller from Tampa Bay for a minor league goalie, a third-round pick at this year's draft, and a conditional first-round pick, either in 2020 or 2021. Now, if the Canucks are in the draft lottery next year, then the first-rounder would be in 2021. But is that too steep a price to pay for J.T. Miller? Miller will cycle around. He's got it now. Back to Kucherov. Back up to Everyone around the NHL likes J.T. Miller. They have liked the way he plays since his days with the New York Rangers. But only the Canucks seem to think he was worthy of a first-round draft pick. You know, and I felt, I felt like it's a fair price to pay for uh, a young, you know, a relatively young player that, you know, fits in with what we're trying to do age-wise with our group. He's on a good contract. He is signed for four more years at 5.2 million, which is good if he can score 20 goals 
like he has three of the last four years. He plays with an edge. He's got skill. So he's, you know, he's a guy that, you know, we feel is going to really help out uh, make the team better and help with the development of our younger players. He is a versatile guy. He can play any forward position. But with the Canucks, look for him to mostly be on the wing with either Horvat or Pedersen. Now that they've brought in another top six forward, Vancouver can go back to another pressing need. We've got uh, free agency coming up this week, um, you know, so we're going to concentrate on trying to add, you know, at least one defenseman, and that's where our focus is going to be all week. All right, the Canucks had eight more selections today in the draft. They used their second-round pick to grab Swedish forward Nils Hoglander with the 40th pick overall. Some rankings had him being a mid-to-late first-rounder, a creative player when the puck is on his stick, very good stick handler. He's a decent skater, and maybe the Canucks got another player who fell into their laps. I will say I like to use my speed. I crave to, too. And, yeah, that's that's one. I express myself. I, I can play against men, so, yeah. How did you feel you did last year in uh, the league? Yes, yeah, it's very good last year in the league. Play against men and, yeah. You happy to be in Vancouver? Yeah, of course I am. So now what happens? Do you come to training camp this season? Yeah, the training camp and we'll see after that what's, what's happened. Well, it's almost certain none of the players the Canucks drafted this weekend will play here next season. First rounder Vasily Pudkolzin is the most ready, but we won't see him in a Canuck uniform for at least two years. He has a contract in the KHL that he is committed to, but the Canucks feel he is very much worth the wait. He was ranked much higher, but because of the KHL situation, he dropped all the way to number 10, where the Canucks were more than happy to take him. You know, I think he's... He's the type of player that he's got the size and strength. He's good along the walls, can get to the net. Um, you know, I think he's a he's going to be a good complementary player to our some of our really skilled players we have. Like whether it's it's Petey or Bess or or Bo, he's you know he he plays a heavy game. Um, you know, we've seen in the playoffs here. You need those strong guys that can get to the net and and protect the puck, and he can do all those things. Vasily, Vasily says that he, he can he can do, do whatever he's been he will be asked for to do, uh, like be a power forward, playmaking guy, and uh, he can score goals as well. You know, he's captain of his teams. Um, I thought even at the World Junior for a 17-year-old kid, you know, his work ethic and his competitiveness, he was a leader for the Russian team as a young as a young player, killed penalties. Um, so. You know, we, he's got that in him. He's got that to be a leader in him. Uh, he hates losing. He wants to win. Like he, gets, like, he gets angry when he loses. And those are the types of players we want. And uh, he's, again, he hopes like, that these two years that he's going to play in Russia, he's, he will get stronger and, and will, will be more a man. 
And we know he'll work on his English as well. The uh, Whitecaps have been lying low for the past three weeks, but they are back at it tonight at home against Colorado. Whitecaps had a bye week followed by the two-week Gold Cup break, so they are very well rested and hoping to keep the kind of gradual momentum they've been uh, gaining after a sputtering start. 7 o'clock start tonight at BC Place. We'll have highlights at 11. MLS action tonight. Toronto FC at Dallas, a tough place to play, and TFC finding out the hard way. Dominic Baggi gets his second of the match. 3-0 Dallas out front on their way to the win. They should move up to fourth in the West with 25 points, seven ahead of the White caps who are ninth women's world cup knockout stage beginning today germany and nigeria 20th minute alexandra pop pops the header into the corner off the corner kick it's one nil germany they added a penalty to go up by two and then finish it off on this marker from leah schuller Germany win 3-0. They now await the winner of Canada-Sweden in the quarterfinals. That Canada match goes Monday at noon our time. Norway and Australia also meeting in the round of 16. Norwegians will strike first. A great long ball here for Isabel Herlovsen. And she will finish beautifully past the Australian keeper. 1-0 Norway at the half. But the Aussies equalized. They waited until the 83rd minute off the corner kick. Elise Kellond Knight with the redirection. And it's 1-1. We require extra time. No scoring in the extra 30 minutes. It goes to penalties. And the Norwegians dominated. They were perfect 4-for-4 from the spot. They win it 4-1 on penalties. And Norway moves on to the quarterfinals where they will get the winner of England and Cameroon. Welcome back. Mike Riley likely spent the night being wrapped in a big giant ice bag. The uh, Lions quarterback was treated very badly by his former team last night in Edmonton. The Eskimos sacked him seven times on their way to a 39-23 win. That drops the Lions record to 0-2. Not the start they were hoping for considering all of the optimism heading into this season. Here's Riley in happier times when he was actually on his feet. BC did play fairly well for most of the first half. They had a 17-3 lead, but then it all fell apart. And as they fell behind, they were forced to pass, and that's when Riley started to spend a lot of time on his back. The Lions beefed up their offensive line this year specifically to protect Riley, but it was an epic fail last night. Seven sacks allowed, and it doesn't get any easier. The Lions' next game on the road in Calgary against the Stampeders next week. CFL today, Argos home opener versus the Ticats. Hamilton fans had plenty to cheer about at BMO Field today. Third quarter already up 20 points. Jeremiah Mazzoli, 31 yards to Nikola Kalinich for the touchdown. First career CFL TD for Kalinich. Fourth quarter, Hamilton leading by 42. They tack on some more. Braylon Addison making it look easy because it was. Ticat scored touchdowns on six straight possessions. Then on the final play of the game, Argo's pass is tipped. Rico Murray takes it back for the pick six. Hamilton crushes Toronto 64-14, the largest margin of victory ever in the 230-plus meetings between the two teams. Seems like we're rubbing it in against Mike Riley. I mean, that's just a technical snafu. We know he got sacked seven times. Tennis now. Eastview, or uh, sorry, it's uh, Queen's Club in London. OJ Aliassime taking on Feliciano Lopez, who is 37, so he's twice as old as Felix, who took the first set 7-6. But uh, Lopez, a KG veteran, the left-hander's got a long reach. He's good at the net, and that volley there helped him get a break, and he won the second set 6-3. 
Felix also got broken in the third set, but he faced four match points on his serve. But the kid shows some grit, stays alive with another great passing shot. But Lopez got to serve for the match, and he'll have the easy put away at the net. Little drop shot there, game set and match. So Feliciano Lopez will meet another veteran, 34-year-old Gilles Simon of France in the final at Queen's Club. Jason Red Sox from Fenway Park in Boston. Toronto fell behind 6-0, but they rallied Freddy Galvis with a two-run homer down the right field line just inside the foul pole, 6-3. At that point, Red Sox still led, but the Jays got three more in the eighth. Kevin Biggio with the RBI single ties it up. The Red Sox then walk two men with the bases loaded as the Jays shock the Red Sox 8-7. Some golf now. The PGA stopped this week in Hartford for the Travelers Championships. Chez Reavy put on a show on the back nine from 90 yards out from the rough. Great shot to three feet. And he would make his third straight birdie to take the lead. He made six birdies on the back. When he got to 18, makes an, make it seven birdies. He will stiff another approach at the finishing hole. A 7 under 28 on the back, 7 under 63 for the round. Leads by six at 16 under. Nick Taylor is at even par. He won't play tomorrow, though. He missed the secondary cut. An MDF for Nick as he is at even par. And LPGA has a major this weekend. The Women's PGA Championship from Minnesota. Australian Hannah Green with the 36-hole lead, and she's got the 54-hole lead thanks to this lengthy birdie putt on five. She is at nine under, one better than Aria Jatanagarn. Brooke Henderson tied 46th at plus four. She is 13 off the lead. around you guys. At least there wasn't at a yoga class in the <laughs> Fraser Valley this morning. Hundreds turned out at the Man Farms Market in Abbotsford to, so they could try to break a world record for the largest goat yoga class. Participants <laughs> practicing their poses in the hour-long class while 50 goats roamed around freely doing, well, what goats do. The previous record attempt was in Arizona in February with a class of 351. So unofficially, this did break the record with 380 participating. It now has to be verified by Guinness officials. Record or no record, though, organizers say the event is also an opportunity for people to learn about farming. It's a collision between agriculture and wellness. Um, I'm a spiritual person and just my family, we've always been super into wellness and of course we're farmers. So it's a way to promote farming, it's a way to you know, innovate current farming practices and uh, educate people about agriculture. People get to connect with the goats today, they get to be outside, they get to be on the farm. Last shot, I don't recommend you do tree pose. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks for joining us. Have a great night. <laughs>